Well, welcome everybody uh, back again for another Conversations With. This one is going to be part two conversation with Carl Hardwick, who is the CEO of OPEX. Um, we had released a podcast last week with the, really the first half of the conversation that was just rolling rolling too well, and we decided to kind of try to squeeze out some more time. So big thanks to Carl for making time out of his busy schedule to kind of finish the conversation. In this, in this conversation, or this part of the conversation, we actually get into the weeds a little bit. So in the previous one, we talked about the OPEX concept of sustain. And in this one, we go kind of into sustain with a little bit more detail. And then we actually cover a concept at the end called repeatability. And both of these concepts, I think, are incredibly important for anybody that's interested in just improving their, their health or their performance. So whether you are just a normal personal trainer uh, working with with general population clients, whether you are a high level strength coach, you know, or whether you are just an interested human slash athlete in just getting into to better shape, I think this is a really really good conversation. So I hope you enjoy uh, part two of conversations with Carl Hardwick. Ready to roll? Oh, are we going? Yeah, let's go. Let's fucking go. Okay, so we're <laughs> we are back for round two or part two of uh, chatting with Carl Hardwick. Um, yesterday we sort of, or in part one, which was literally yesterday, we sort of started getting into a little bit of a deep dive into sustainable, like what does OPEX mean by sustainable, but then we had lots of offshoots that our uh, schedules weren't allowing us to go into, so Carl was nice enough to hop on and uh, make time out of his schedule to sort of finish this up. Um, so where we, I want to start is let's just kind of recap uh, sustainable. So we, my well, first, big... let's be honest with everyone. We, uh, we went a little bit too hard in the garage gym yesterday and we we're a little discombobulated yeah, and yeah. our brains weren't working and yeah, yeah. I was speaking nonsense. I blacked out and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we ran out of time, but yeah, yeah we puked we're... twice in the workout. I can just <laughs> feel the rhabdo coming on. It's pretty awesome. Um, no, so sustainable. This is a, a thing that you guys have at OPEX. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a primary tenant. And I had some questions. One of them, the, the main one, was, is there a time component to a workout being sustainable? and or, or is it like every workout you should be able to do forever, whether it's a constant effort or it's a, an intermittent interval effort? And we, you, you sort of uh, let me know that there is a time component to it. So if a, a piece is 30 minutes, the pace for that to make that piece sustainable is different than the same exercises would be for only 15 minutes or doing it for 60 minutes. So it's not as if you're going to have the same pace for every workout because you want them to go forever. The pace is going to be dictated by the time and in what we want to do, and I 100% agree with this, you want the pace set in such a way that it is sustainable for the time domain prescribed. Is that an accurate that is, yeah. summation? Yeah, that's a nice that's a nice wrap up. We could have saved We're done. I mean, 20, we could just, if you, we could have saved just... 20 minutes yesterday. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't say that is as uh, beautifully as that. No, but yeah, that's where we were getting at. <laughs> we'll just yeah, have so... start with this. It'll be a 2-minute podcast on uh, on sustain. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, you know, yeah, I think what what we said yesterday was uh time dictates um uh pace or effort, right? So you know, that time domain is, that's, that's it, right? If, you know, and that's, 
if you get someone that's really experienced in this and they know their gears and, and they have uh, they have a lot of experience in, in aerobic work, when they see 30 minutes, right, on, on the board or in their phone or whatever the heck they uh, use to track their, their training, if they see 30 minutes, they can already kind of self-organize, you know, what that pace is going to be relative to what is inside of that 30 minutes. So, you that's know. where either experience comes in or really good coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, uh, you know, I've I've benefited a ton of the stuff that I've learned from you and James. Um, currently, in my sinister training, I'm using a ton of OPEX concepts. Where, mm-hmm. like, I just tested my max cals on the rower for five minutes because yeah. then I'm going to be doing a bunch of five minute pace work, some map training, yep. if you will. And I needed to know what my max cals were for five minutes so that I can kind of understand what my appropriate pacing is going to be for my repeated efforts. Yep. And my pace is dictated by I'm going to do five sets. And so those five sets, you know, I'm sort of using that. And I want to make sure that the pace in the beginning is going to be the same yep. as it is in the fifth round. But by the fifth round, it's um, it ends up being challenging. Yep. And that's kind of where I wanted, where I really want to go in this yesterday. We, you know, we have to break it up between people who are exercising for vitality or life or are um, participating um, versus people who are actually competing. Yep. And so when we're thinking about the pacing, I said yesterday in a perfectly paced workout, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, two minutes, it doesn't matter. Your pace should be pretty consistent from the start all the way to the finish. And what happens is you have the, the um, difficulty or how, how painful it is or challenging it is slowly rises and in a perfect workout, they basically converge right at the end of the workout. Now, where I want to go with my question to you is, in that case, you've emptied the tank at the end of that workout. And for people listening, like that's not always the case. You don't want to do that every time you walk into the gym. And there are some people, maybe you and I fall in this category, we could never do that. Mm-hmm. So you know, there are cases like where I want to ask you, what do you think, like how often would you maybe have an athlete doing that? Or, you know, what are you thinking in terms of pacing, like maybe for like what you and I do, you know, we want to have, you know, you finish the workout, but you still have one or two more rounds left in the tank. So you still get to that good fatigue point, but you haven't gotten to an exhaustion point. Yep. What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Fatigue, fatigue is fairly complex, right? Like the idea of fatigue, because there's there's a lot of variation and, you know, why one would become fatigued. So we can look at just a few of them, right? Is it is it blood flow, right? Does when the person's on that bike, um, does their body have a difficult time uh, shunting blood from the heart uh, to the extremities, right? Like, are they experienced enough? Is that too hard of a contraction uh, pedaling down on that pedal every revolution? Um, is it lungs, right? Like, do they not have enough experience where they know how to breathe appropriately? Um, is it muscular, right? So it'd be the same idea of blood flow, but, you know, quads are just have a huge pump and I can't get blood, blood out of, out of my quad muscle, right? Um, it could be, it could be a bunch of different things. So when we start, cause you're doing the thing, like the converging of like fatigue, I, I just can't go anymore. Um, you have to think about like, why is that? Or is it heart, right? It's like my heart rate is 188 beats per minute and I just can't sustain this any longer. So when you start getting into fatigue models, there's a lot of and we the psychological model or yeah. component to it. So he just named five different, you know, flavors, so to speak, or shades 
or, or uh, factors of mm-hmm. fatigue. Yeah. Expressions of fatigue, if you will. Yeah. So, so kind of just to back it up, and it wasn't a hedge to not answer your question, but um, first we have to understand why do we fatigue? Like, why is that person that you're working with, or if this person is yourself, why are you converging toward the end? Like, why can't you do another round of that? So that would be the very first thing I would I would look at. Try to figure out which one of these is the major factor. Yeah, what's the yeah what's the major factor, and and how can you improve that if that's a part of your your goal, right? If you are in that performance model, obviously you do want to improve it if you're trying to win at something. So you need to understand why do you fatigue, and how can you push that fatigue out to the right. But to answer your question, let's say someone understands that fatigue model and. Uh, they're like, yeah, all good, bro. I'm like training. I'm training my my heart, right? It's like I know cardiovascularly. That's that's what's holding me back. Um, the question was, how often should someone kind of go into that, right, where they're like converging and it's like almost they're hitting threshold? Yeah. And let's say that we're talking about athletes here, and then yeah. we'll answer the question with like the rest of the universe. So with an athlete that's training for any sport, mixed mm-hmm. modal or whatever. Um, how many times let, let's talk about that getting to that fatigue point. Cause I know that you don't believe that you should be every time you walk into the gym, you should just be just completely gassing yourself. Yeah. 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 It depends on where they are in the season, right? Like if you're, if you're nine months out from a competitive season, probably not that often, you know, maybe once a week. So you don't forget how that feels as you get closer to that competitive season. Let's once say, a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's, once a week, and this we're we're basically talking about metabolic conditioning. Yeah, where, you know whether it's cyclical, whether it's mixed modal, or whatever. We're mm-hmm. basically we're not talking about just the strength training piece. Yeah, but in the the metabolic piece, this, these metabolic conditioning out, off season, you're thinking they need to kind of be doing this once a week. Yeah, just uh, a challenging aerobic effort once per week. Cool. Yeah, so that okay. could be that could be thirty minutes or that could be two minutes. It okay. depends so, on yep exactly who it is, what they're doing. Okay, once a week. Yep. As as we get closer to in season, and you know, obviously we're making a huge generalization on like who this athlete is <laughs> and what is. they're doing, how long they've been training, what sport they're doing, what position they play. But it's okay. Let's let's let's, let's propose it. something here. Uh, let's say they're eight weeks out, the classic model where it's like, you know, eight weeks is usually that, that really sweet spot of like, okay, now we're going pedal to the metal and we want to get really, really good. We want to maximize our capacity Yep. right now when we get there, you know, we're going to say as many times as you can recover from. So that might be three or four times per week for some people that might be two times per week for others. So as many times as you can. As many times as you can repeat that effort, recover from that effort, and progress in that effort over eight weeks. So if you're continuing to get faster and you're recovering and nothing else is suffering, and you're doing that three times per week, keep it up. Here's what's cool. So now this is the macroscopic application of sustainable. Mm -hmm. So what we spent a lot of time talking about is the microscopic within the workout sustainable. What you're mentioning now is that concept applied to the program. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you're going to take an athlete, and now we're eight weeks out. And we're going to start pushing it. So then we're going to push them to two times a week, three times a week. And if it's still sustainable, then you can kind of keep going because you want to have a sustainable model. So that's obviously widely, vastly different for every athlete. But you're thinking, you know, if you have an experienced, let's just say a mixed modal athlete, they're probably going to need to be in that three to four, you know, times a week range where they're sort of pushing to that exhaustion point at the end of one of their Metcons. Yeah. And, you know, if if we're talking a mixed modal or let's call it a CrossFit athlete, just so, you know, people that don't understand what mixed modal means, if it's a CrossFit athlete, you know, they're doing a couple sustainable, highly 
highly intensive sustainable pieces in that eight weeks and they're they're doing one or two unsustainable pieces as well so they're not just doing sustained work they're also doing unsustainable work because that's necessary for a crossfit athlete oh absolutely yeah you gotta you gotta be able to go into the well right because if you're experiencing that for the first time on the the competition (laughs) floor you're you're ill prepared right so you know we, we talk about you know who needs who needs anaerobic work and who doesn't need anaerobic work uh, let's call it 1% of the population needs anaerobic work. And the reason why this, the CrossFitter falls inside of that 1% is because, and when I say the CrossFitter, I mean like a competitive CrossFitter, someone that's trying to win at this thing because they're going to experience it on the competitive floor. So they need to know how it feels. They need to know how to recover from it because they're going to do another effort three hours later. They need to know how to utilize lactate as a fuel source uh, so they don't completely bonk out. They need to understand what it feels like to go out too hot and what red line means so they can stay away from that. Uh, there's a lot of things inside of it. Well, but but they, the, they can't feel it for the first time on the competitive floor. I would, I would argue, and perhaps I'm not understanding sustainable, I would argue that even an elite CrossFitter, if they come in and, okay, the workout's going to be seven minutes. Mm-hmm. By the, my current understanding of sustain, I think that really what we're talking about is proper pacing when we're talking about sustain. So if somebody comes out and they just find like, okay, the workout's seven minutes and it's going to be, um, you know, toes to bar and, and clean and jerks. Well, if you, you could make that piece seven minutes sustainable if it's paced correctly. Oh, I love that you brought this up. Let me add, let, let's bring, a, let, no, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get, I get where you're going with that, but let's bring it back to yesterday's conversation. What is the difference between sustainable work and unsustainable work? Yeah, that's my question. Yeah, so unsustainable work can still be, let's call it sustainable inside of the piece. But if I asked you to rest one-to-one, let's call it to make it easy math. If I asked you to rest one-to-one and do it again, could you do it again? If you can't do it again, that's unsustainable. So let's take something, very, as, okay. let's take something as simple as like, 2159 Fran, right? Thrusters and pull-ups. Just it's my life's goal to never do Fran again. <laughs> so let's take that as an example, right? You could take someone through that and they could look great doing it. They could go, you know, sub two minutes and 30 seconds, which is very, very challenging. But if you ask that person to rest two, two minutes and 30 seconds, could they repeat it and then repeat it again, right? Like, so when we start talking about sustainable and unsustainable, yeah. unsustainable work can appear to be sustainable because it was paced outstanding. That's right? where pace, that, that's where it splits. Like you can have perfect pacing in both. Yes, exactly. The sustainable piece is one that is repeatable. Yep. And the unsustainable one is it's not repeatable. Now I could play devil's advocate and be like, well, what if you had them rest for 10 times? So what if I gave them a 30 minute, you know, we know the answer to this is probably still in the same day, it's not repeatable. Uh, well, well, to some it is. If they, if they train unsustainable work correctly, it is sustainable. So when we start looking at, because when we look at it, Rich, that eight weeks, and let's take uh, uh, Sam Smith, right? Like one of our, I mean, our best competitive athlete coaches. If this guy- Also he a co- crazy nice person. Oh yeah, great guy. <laughs> he coaches a lot of, he co- coaches a lot of CrossFitters. He has a lot of experience here, right? If we were to deconstruct Sam's programming let's call it eight weeks out, four weeks out um, from competition, you would see that in his program. You would see, and I'm just going to use Fran, and uh, sure. sorry, Sam, I know you're probably not programming a bunch of Fran, but we <laughs> would see, yeah, we would see, you know, 21.59 thruster, thruster pull-up, rest 20 minutes times three, Yeah. right? So, so you're, you're in there for 60 minutes to do nine minutes of work. 
Right. And that, therefore, by the definition we're, we're teasing out here of sustained, that is sustainable. No, but, that is repeatable. That's not sustainable. Okay, so then I guess what is the work-to-rest ratio where the, the, you're saying, okay, it's sustainable if they can repeat it within this rest. Is it, is it a one-to-one? So for sustain? Yeah, so for sustain. For sustain, it's one-to-one or less. Right? One-to-one or less. One-to-one so meaning or less. like, okay, it's a three-minute effort. It's either at, at max... You're allowed to rest for three minutes mm-hmm. or two or one, yep. but any any time any workout that requires more than a one to one ratio of work to rest is not sustainable. No. So let's 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 say let, let's say that it requires me like I do a three minute effort. Yep. And it requires me nine minutes to recover, but then I can do it again. Is that sustainable or not? Are you classifying that as sustainable or not? Um, so let's, yeah, let's get, so this is in way in the weeds here. I yeah. Love so I'm going to answer no, but let's, let's make sure that we're using the same language. So okay. when we say sustainable, we're, we're talking about aerobic work exclusively. The term that we would use with oh. anaerobic work is repeatable, oh, all right. right? So sustainable and repeatable in our, in our language, those yep. are two different concepts. So what you just laid out three minutes, nine it's minutes, repeatable. rest, go, that's repeatable. Or the concept that we talked about in part one of 60 seconds on the assault bike, rest eight minutes and do that for five sets. Repeatable. You want to make that your power output repeatable. You're still training the anaerobic system, not exclusively, but you're biasing the anaerobic system, um, but you're training it, right? You're training it. What you'll see with someone that doesn't train it, they just do it, is they'll go three minutes, they'll rest nine and power will do this. It'll drop yep. every single set. So you're not actually training the system. You're training pain threshold. Rec- yeah. You're training how the hell to hold on. Training. You're training. You're not how much, like how much cortisol can I get into my bloodstream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a difference between that. So even in you know in com- in competition or testing and training are just different concepts in aerobic work and in anaerobic work. So when we're training any system, we're always below. Like we have to be below threshold. We go above threshold when we're testing a system, right? So we have to be able to recover from training. So when you see people that are flailing on a daily basis on the floor, they're not training any particular system. They're just, they're pain, they're, they're, they're training themselves to deal with pain. That's it, right? And that's where we have a problem of like, well, like that's not sustainable. It works, over for, a long. it works for three to six months. Yep. And then they either break or they flatline. Yep. And that's why I think what you guys put out and the value of OPEX's programming is that you're gonna you're gonna be dosing to use uh, an OPEX term. You're gonna be dosing the workouts better so that you can continue to make improvement yep. beyond that six month point because you're not just exhausting the system. Yep. Now what they would do is you know the original you know old school CrossFit they're gonna get someone in shape in three months faster than OPEX would, but they're also going to flatline, whereas OPEX will continue to get someone better for months and even years after the initial thing because the programming is more specific to the person and the dose is more appropriate for the person. Yeah. And you know, and I know I know you this isn't your intention, but I don't want to crap all over CrossFit on this either, right? Because oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. I meant, yo, I know, I know, yeah, but yeah. Cro- just for the listener, right? Like CrossFit is like this thing that is very, very big and there's like so many different levels to it and like there's so many con- uh, uh, concepts and thought processes inside of it. So I don't want to bucket like us versus them necessarily, but 
Um, you're right, like the typical CrossFit coach, they don't, they don't, they haven't read journal articles from 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know what I mean? Like they're just like constantly varied high intensity and they just like forget everything after that. And then it's like, hey, you know, you, you, you got to be principally based, right? Yeah. Like if you want someone to be able to do this for a long time, and me saying principally based doesn't mean you have to be complex. You just have to have reasons. You have to understand why are you doing what you're doing? So that's, that's really all we propose, right? And like even this conversation, we're getting into the weeds, which I think is super helpful. But, um, you know, if this was a video podcast, we would just like write write these concepts on this whiteboard and it would be like really clear, right? So if someone goes through... <laughs> yeah, they can't see all the hand... If you guys can't see all the hand movements yeah, that Carl yeah. and I are doing back and forth. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's such a good conversation because it challenges us. It's like, okay, that's a great question. How do we make it even simpler? How do we say it even simpler, Right. So where I messed up is I should have started this conversation and laid out like our language, right? Between sustain, sustain and sustain and sustain sustainability and repeatability because those are two different concepts. Well, let's let, let's dive back into repeatability here. So the sustain it has to do with aerobic. Mm-hmm. Um, repeatability has to do with anaerobic. So there are t- when so is something you want all most for actually maybe for a competitive crossfitter you're going to want them to do unsustainable or unrepeatable work occasionally so that they can be exposed to that pain state, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, there's a time and place, pre-competition yep. usually. Yeah, yeah that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But, but in general, you want it to be repeatable, right? And that's dosing it more appropriately. Um, all, so always, always sustainable for sustained work and always repeatable for unsustainable work in training, that's something that's really, really important. Well, but except for occasionally, we just said occasionally you need to... In training, though. So pre-competition, I wouldn't call that training, right? So like pre-competition, you're just like, everything goes out the window relative to what you're training for. You or mean what like your three competition weeks before is. competition? Is that what you mean by pre-competition? Yeah, so like, um, let's let's put it this way. I'll be quick on it, I promise. Um, no, so let's say important. we have let's say we have someone in a pre-competition phase. So let's say, um, I don't know why we keep talking about CrossFit, but it's... It's, I guess it's relevant and it's, well, it's, it's easy it, it, to it's talk easy about. It's easy to like the pain state. Or no, no, let, 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 let's talk about, um, let's talk about the, the 800 meter dash. Okay. So yeah. Because you can definitely, we can apply mm-hmm. sustain and repeatability to the 800 meter training. Yep. So, so we can do that. It's anaerobic, but there's an aerobic component to it. So let's just talk about middle distance runner. Okay. So middle distance running, pre-competition phase. Let's say that it's six weeks of pre-competition. Hell, let's say it's three weeks of pre-competition. What the difference is going to be in that pre-competition phase that this athlete wasn't doing three months ago is they're doing a game pace, 800 meter dash, one to three times per week, sessions per week, right? So everything else goes out the window, right? It's like, we don't care about, oh, well, now you need to rest this much and you need to do this and you need to repeat it. It's like, hey, we're going to do our warm-up protocol. Like we're, we want to emulate game day. Right, it's like, what do you do in the morning? Uh, what do you do for your warm-up protocol going into game day? Um, we have the gun, right? Like we're we're emulating absolutely everything, and then you're going, right? Like there's no there's no other. There's That's almost no, like a simulation. Yeah, there's nothing else wrapped around it, right? And then to bring it back, so that that's so easy, right? To to lay a program out like that, like theoretically, it's so easy to look at it and be like, yeah, I, I understand what's going on here. And I was going to say we're talking about CrossFit because it's not so easy. It's complex, right? Like there's yeah. a lot of complex complexities because there's a lot of crap going on in it. 
So that's, that's the 800 meter person. Then you have a person that's getting ready for CrossFit. And then on a Saturday, uh, for six weeks of their pre-competition phase, you're just taking a workout from, you know, whatever the games did or, or sanctionals. And you're like, you're doing this workout and they're going to rest three hours and you're going to do this other one. What don't you care about? You don't care about the strength continuum, right? You don't care about them being fatigued and then going and snatching. You don't care about their effort on the assault bike if it's in this three-minute window for that to be sustainable or repeatable. You don't care. You're just going, right? So, so when you're doing – in that case, you're doing it once. Yeah. And that's where it's just – it's you don't care about repeatability because yeah. you need to get them throttling into the red zone is what I would call it. Yeah, you're trying to win, right? Like yeah. self-regulate whatever you need to do to get the best score possible. I don't give a crap if you can do it again, right? Yeah. The goal is to get the best score possible. But in training, that's not that's not it, right? Especially when we start talking about training metabolics. Because when we're training metabolics, it doesn't matter if you're averaging 73 or 74 RPM. Like physiologically, our bodies don't doesn't really care. understand that, right? What are we trying to train when we train metabolics? We're trying to train the metabolic system. We're trying to get like this, again, dose response. So we're training dose response. It's like, I want lactate to be in my blood, right? It's like, I want this to feel like I can't, like this is a three minute piece. I want it to feel like I, if, if I had to go 330, I couldn't maintain the power that I hit for that three minutes. And then I want to rest and I'm going to repeat it. So when I repeat it, what am I doing? I'm training how to recover from, from that, from that unsustainable piece. I'm training my body how to now perform with all the lactate and the hydrogen ions in my bloodstream and all of that. So you're training the system, but you're training it like you're the thing that's keeping you honest or that self-assessment is power, right? It's like, I'm repeating the power that I'm putting out, right? It might be painful, but you're repeating the power over and over and over again. Yeah. I think that that now we, my understanding now is we're kind of teasing out the difference between training and then competing or testing. Yes. So if you're going to compete, well, that's all out, win the thing. If you're testing, that's all out. So by definition, neither of those are going to be repeatable, mm-hmm. right? And and we'll just broadly say a workout is not repeatable if you could do it and then you couldn't do it later that day. Yeah. Like if you, let's say that they have a high enough training age and they and they can actually express a max effort for one minute on the on the assault bike. You, uh, uh, you know, you take an experienced CrossFit athlete and you give them the entire rest of the day to do it. They cannot repeat it in the same day. No, not in, not in a, if you're testing. The Does that mean, no, no, I mean like a full yeah. legit yeah, expression not. of one minute max cows. You could literally do that at six in the morning and you could test it at six o'clock at night. They could, you know, sit in a float tank. They could take their their post where it would do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. Now that's a special athlete that takes lots of training. Yeah. But in, that's clearly not repeatable, not sustainable. And we're reserving those for a microscopic amount of their the time in their their season for competition and testing. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. So any training is going to always. A, be based on the pacing that you had in your testing and competition, but always be repeatable or sustainable. Is that a nice little sort of encapsulation yeah. statement? Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with that. The the idea of like 60 seconds at 6 versus 6 a.m. versus 6 p.m. for the, the athlete that can really go deep, dig deep, 
Um, that's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't try that every now and again, because there's some, some there's no fucking way there's I'm trying to do max cows on the assault. No, bike. maybe not you, but you know, if, <laughs> if you were sitting here trying to like win something, sure. yeah, I think you would, you would look at it and you'd 20 like, years ago, maybe. Yeah. You're like, man, you know, what, what, what would that feel like? Right. Like, would I be able to repeat that? There might be some, some, uh, some light bulb moments that go off trying to do something like that with, with yourself or with a competitive athlete that you work with. And Hey, could build some freaking resilience as well because pain, pain because I'm, I mean, frankly, you know, in a competitive scenario, you might find yourself having to do that. Imagine if there yeah. was a competition that said, hey, event one on Saturday, we're doing 60 second max assault bike. Event four on Saturday, under the lights, we're doing the same exact thing. Oh, that'd be actually, that's like, I've never seen that done. Yeah, man. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. So especially if and they it's knew a, it, because it's a game, right? It's a it's mental a game. game. It's like, okay, what, like, whew, how hard can I how go? How hard do I go? Right? And you know, the 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 smart person would say, hey, I'm going to go at ninety five percent, so I can do this again in the evening. But then that little bug is going to be in their ear, and they're going to be like, well, what if this guy next to me goes a hundred percent, and he's able to do that hundred percent again, right? So it's just like it, it is this game, but you might actually find yourself in a scenario where That's, you might need to do that. Yeah, so I I think that the the your guys concept of repeatability and sustainability is awesome. Let's talk a little bit then about why people aren't programming like that. So just a, a starting idea. I think that you have to kind of understand what a max effort is for whatever mm-hmm. it is. if it's a back squat if it's you know max cows on the bike for 60 minutes like a functional threshold test like you do in cycling um if you're not testing those things then you got you don't know what the top end is for that 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 piece or that time domain then you can't properly dose it and i think a lot of times you know primitive programming typically is built around the idea of just making the workout hard mm-hmm. So what are what are some thoughts or, or blocks that you're finding with some of your coaches that you're teaching on you know why they're not making things repeatable or sustainable and they're just writing these really really challenging workouts? Oh man, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it comes from just like good intentions, but just lack of knowledge, right? Um, you know, good intentions are always going to fall short when you don't have knowledge backing them up. So. Um, you know, with, with the coaches that we talk to on a weekly basis, uh, those are coaches that like, it's a different, I don't want to call them a different breed, but they kind of are right. Like they're like, Hey, I'm all in on this thing. Um, I want to do this thing as a career. I want to really learn, you know, how to implement, how to have, how to build effective designs, uh, efficient designs, the whole nine. So, you know, we're speaking to a different or me personally, I'm speaking to a different uh, type of coach, but I think they're a good indicator of the coaches that are out there and in the world right now. It's just a, you know, when we go through these concepts and, you know, we, we, we go through them, uh, let me say, we go through them a little more, um, like we're speeding. Yeah. We're speeding through this right now, which is like three weeks of CCP in 30 minutes, but but we go through it a little, uh, a little more directed and and slowly and, and the whole nine, but even so, it's just like a bunch of like really open eyeballs on the other side of the screen as we walk through these things. And it's interesting because there's a lot of really smart coaches out there, man. A lot of smart coaches out there. And once they understand a concept, they can execute on that concept. 
And it, dude, I couldn't have said the same thing even five years ago. It was like deer in the headlights and it's like, hey, now we're going to break away and we're going to build some designs and we'd come back with like blank pages. Now we're coming back with just like solid designs, right? So I think it, I think it is a lack of knowledge. I think we're, I think we're getting a little bit, this might be hopeful or wishful thinking. I think we're getting away from, uh, we just need to beat people up and that's a good session. Um, I think we're actually it's definitely getting, evolving. I think the 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 sport or the profession is evolving, and they're kind of realizing that that's not a broadly used uh, sustainable model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but, coming in and wrecking yourself every time you walk into the gym doesn't work. But we haven't lost um, we haven't lost this idea of nuance though. So they're they're still thinking that they have to build like very nuanced training programs um, from a, from an aesthetic point of view, right? Like I have to have things that this person has never done before. And I have to give that to them every single week to show my worth as a coach, like to show how knowledgeable I am. Um, resistance training. I need to do a bunch of like circus acts with, with my clients. So they feel like I'm intelligent or they think I'm intelligent, right? Like I think we're seeing a lot more of that than the bashing clients heads in. Like, I think a lot of coaches get it right. Where it's just like, you don't want to beat people up on a daily basis because they're not going to come back and you're not going to retain them as a client. But I, we haven't lost this idea of nuance. And I, I would chalk that up to social media, right? Like you pull up social media and like you see all these nuanced things with all of these very complex explanations behind them. And, you know, if you're an experienced coach, you're like, yeah, that's cool. But just like squat, right? Like, yeah, why are we just doing? do some like reverse lunges and you'll get the same exact effect, right? Um, so yeah, I think we're in a period of, of nuance and I don't think we're getting out of that anytime soon with the age of like, you know, um, scrolling on Instagram and, and seeing, uh, you know, interesting exercise selections and seeing, you know, butts falling out of the bottom of shorts and stuff like that. I think like aesthetically people are really connected to like, how do I make my clients feel like they're doing something that's uh, really smart and intelligent? Well, the I mean, you guys I know are, are are wonderful at hammering this point, but like you know, I'm training for this this kettlebell thing, Sinister, and I had somebody ask me, and they're like, yeah, you know the you know I looked at the the, the programming, you know, and I just it just seems like, um, what do you say? It wasn't boring. I don't remember what it was, but I was just like, no, it's it you got to grind. You just yeah. have to get the work done. So. One one thing that I I always tell people is that intensity is not a replacement for time. Mm-hmm. So I think in early you know broadly speaking CrossFit, the idea was oh I can just go in and throttle myself for an hour and that's somehow going to make up for hundreds of hours on the assault bike. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll just sort of finish here because I know you got to get going. Uh, talking about that idea that like you know. This is the the repeated effort method versus the max effort method, right? These are two, they're usually applied to strength training, um, but we'll just kind of apply it to sort of, um, you know, just mixed modal or whatever. But maybe we'll just finish with like, you know, there are times where you need to do the max effort method, but I think the repeated effort method is going to be better long term. And maybe just, we'll just hand it off to you and we'll just kind of finish with teasing those out because that concept applies to everything that you guys are saying with either repeatability or sustainability, that's still repeated effort method versus a max effort method. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I think we did talk about this one yesterday. I keep bringing up yesterday. I apologize. But I think we did talk about like this outcome-based thought, right? Where it's like, you know, what is the outcome uh, for this person exercising? 
And we have like, that's where we always have to start with anyone that we work with. Um, if the outcome is to get really good at a 5k row and that's like, you know, a like that's a handshake agreement between coach and client where it's like, Hey, this is why we're doing this thing. The answer to that is so much different than, Hey man, I just want to do this so I can like climb mountains when I'm 85 years old and feel really good. Right. Like, you know, I don't want to just like live until I'm 85. Like I want to be moving well when I'm 85. So the answer to that would be so different because in the, in the latter example, I would actually argue that that person not once has to do anything max effort. I agree with that. Nothing. Right. Maybe they want to, maybe it's like, you know, there's reasons that you get to that where it's like, it's challenging, um, building some resilience, um, you know, experience, experiencing physical hardship, the whole, like, there's a lot of things that you can do and excuses that you can use, but they don't have to touch anything that's hard. I think they don't, they don't even have to do, you know, they don't even have to be, they don't even have to do like challenging, repeatable aerobic efforts. I think it's awesome for people to explore that, uh, to go from like, you know, map 10 long all day pace down to like map one, 30 seconds, repeatable, a bunch of volume in a session, and then know all those gears in between. But someone can just do map 10 climb mountains, go, go for walks, uh, increase cadence, put, uh, a weight vest on when they're going for a walk. Um, you know, going at it an incline, going at a decline. Someone could do that for the rest of their lives and do resistance training three times a week. And that person could end up being 85, moving really well and being extremely happy. And be way, way less likely to have an injury from yeah, training. Exactly. Cause yeah. I, I think that there, you know, there's, there's a sex appeal behind, you know, the, the max effort method, but honestly, unless your sport demands being able to express a maximum effort, mm-hmm. whether that's powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, track and field, CrossFit, whatever it is, I don't know if you ever need to do that um, unless you, you need to, you're testing. And yep. You'd only be testing if you're training for something. Yep. If you're just doing workouts to, to be functionally fit and be able to climb mountains and you're 85, you would never, ever need to do it. You can get close enough. You can be estimating those things, still using the repeated effort method. And I still think it's highly effective. And it's and it's it's way more safe than doing the max effort method. Yeah. And even someone that's like, hey, man, like, you know, I, I enjoy a physical challenge. I get that because I'm actually one of those people. Um, I'm, I'm much less of that person today than I was five years ago, 10 years ago. But I'm one of those people where I still enjoy a little bit of a physical challenge. But the concept that um, the concept that I vibe really well with is this concept of like you need to earn your work, right? So it's like, what does that mean? Like we're talking about max effort methods, and you know we could start going down the rabbit hole of resistance training and one rep maxes and tough triples and all that. But no matter what it is, whether it's resistance or metabolics, you need to earn the right to go hard. Yeah, you know, for sure. I, th- I think a lot of I think if a lot of coaches kind of had that in the back of their brains with the person that they're the people that they're working with, and they taught them that, like, no, you don't just walk into this class and go hard. You need to earn the right to do it. And then the person's going to look at them with a blank stare and be like, what do you mean I need to earn the right? And it's like, well, interesting you ask, right? This is what this means, right? Like we need to build a nice base, right? Why do we need to build a, a base? Because we want to understand how to, we want to understand our gears and how to utilize our gears. Why do we want to build a base and resistance? Because there's this thing called like motor control, right? Like I want you to be able to move through this pattern 
really effectively and efficiently uh, before we like really load this thing up. And they're like, well, why? Because I'm going to get injured. It's like, yeah, you might get injured, but you might not, but you're, you're shortcutting, right? So it's yeah. like, it's, it's just a shortcut, right? So I don't know. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of like the way that you do one thing is the same way that you do everything, right? So if we just shortcut our way through, you know, lifting heavy weights and, you know, looking cool in the gym, it's like, we're probably doing the same thing in our lives as well. Right. So I don't know. I know I'm like head in the clouds when it comes to stuff like that, but I think that stuff is really important. Well, that's, I think it's a good thing to sort of, this will be a a jumping point for uh, Carl Hardwick part three, because I think (laughs) another entire thing that we could conversation we could have is about that earn the right to go hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll sort of finish with this for, you know, maybe next time, but that's, that's one of the, that's where sustainability and repeatability work comes in so that you can actually be able to earn the right to go after a one rep max, you know, in the, the deadlift or max cows or something like that. If, if you need to do that in your quote unquote training. So yeah. we'll leave it at that. Um, this has been awesome. So I, I, I got into this conversation to understand more about sustainability and repeatability. And I got just that out of it. So hopefully the listeners, um, are going to have a much better understanding of these concepts. If you have no idea what OPEX is, uh, OPEX is a fantastic education platform um, for coaches that goes through literally the entire, every single thing that you would need to know from nutrition to assessment to program design. Um, I actually think they probably have the best stuff in the world on metabolic and aerobic conditioning in terms of systems and rules. So we were sitting in the philosophical realm, uh, but they have entire, you know, segments in their program that, sorry, in their, in their platform that basically teaches you all of these rules that have to do with application of sustainability and repeatability. Uh, but they also get into, um, relationships with the client and all these other things. So it's this comprehensive platform for coaches, whether you're a strength coach or a personal trainer or whatever, it's a killer platform. What's the website again? Uh, so we're opexfit.com. And then we also have, you know, our software, right? So learnrx.app. Um, if, you, if someone isn't ready to dive headfirst into CCP, we do have uh, our, our uh, online learning platform that is LearnRx. And then uh, we also have software uh, that, programming. that all of our coaches use and a lot of other coaches use that have never touched CCP around the world to deliver program design and nutrition and lifestyle coaching and running their coaching businesses inside of uh, inside of this platform. So that's coachrx.app. Cool. Well, this has been awesome, dude. So we'll yeah, man. we'll we'll Appreciate do part it. three, starting with you know earning the rights to sort of. Uh, to Hopefully, go we're in Columbus, Ohio, when we do this, right? Yeah, let's 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 do it. So thanks again. I'll let you get out of here, but uh, visit the website, everybody. Check out OPEX, and uh, thanks for thanks for making time for a second time this weekend. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs>